American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. The first slavery came to an end because of political and other kinds of events. Specifically, the rebellion in Saint-Domingue, what we call the Haitian Revolution, which started in 1791. But we want to pay attention to the effects of the transition from the first slavery to the second slavery on systems of production, because it's there that we would really find the engines of industrial capitalism revving up. Now, again, we're, we're in the realm of irony here, because many people would not see the Haitian Revolution as something that's crucial to the development of capitalism, but in fact it is. And here's in a nutshell what happened. Saint-Domingue in 1791 was the most profitable piece of real estate on the planet Earth. This is, again, this is strange because Haiti is one of the poorest countries in the world today. But in 1791, it was also a tinderbox. Uh, it was ready to, to explode, to catch on fire. And in the summer of 1791, uh, enslaved Africans rise up against their French enslavers, and they begin the biggest slave revolution in history. And ultimately, it's successful. They overthrow the domination of slaveholders. They overthrow French colonial power. They, in fact, push France itself, which is engaged in its own revolution against the royalist regime, to declare emancipation in Saint-Domingue in order to try to get the rebel slaves on their side. But by that point, they've already, in effect, freed themselves. The rebel slaves then defeat a British army that's sent to, uh, to put them back in, into slavery, essentially, and by 1800 are essentially an independent country. Now here's, here's the important point for the entire Atlantic system of slavery. Between 1791 and 1800, the rebellion in Saint-Domingue convinces many policymakers that the continued slave trade from Africa is no longer sustainable. It's going to lead to still more rebellions like this one. So in the wake of the rebellion in Haiti, policymakers in Britain and in the US decide that the time has come to put an end to the Atlantic slave trade. Now, some would argue, for instance, Abraham Lincoln, eventually the President of the United States, would argue that this shows that the founders of the United States believed that slavery was essentially wrong. As Lincoln would say, they banned the slave trade in 1807, the first moment at which Congress was constitutionally permitted to do so, 20 years after the actual Constitution was written. And he, and he said they banned it in hot haste, as he called it. But if you actually look at the process, you see that something else is going on. As one Southern representative explained his vote to end the Atlantic slave trade. Many of us in the southern states do not even consider slavery to be wrong. In other words, as you'll see, what's happening is that southern policymakers realize that they have other ways to obtain enslaved labor for the new cotton fields that are developing in the southwestern part of the United States. They're ready to end the Atlantic slave trade because they no longer need it. In fact, by the time that the Atlantic slave trade is banned by Congress in 1807, a thriving domestic slave trade 
from the older states of the South to the newer states has already more than supplied the needs of the new cotton planters. About 200,000 enslaved people, in fact, are shifted from Virginia and Maryland and other more northerly states into states like South Carolina and Georgia and eventually Alabama and Mississippi between 1790 and 1810. And the production of cotton increases dramatically as well. From 3,000 bales in 1790, when it's just beginning, to almost 200,000 bales, each one 400 pounds of clean cotton, in 1810. Now, what these shifts represent is in the broadest sense, two major changes. First of all, there's a shift in investment. The Atlantic slave trade had been very expensive. It took a lot of credit. It took a lot of ships. It took a lot of sailors. And it took a lot of lives as well. Now, labor was being recruited in cheaper, easier, less dangerous ways from the perspective of enslavers and of the investors who powered their enterprises. But what's also happening is that production is shifting and it's being concentrated in new areas. No longer in the sugar plantations of the Caribbean and the workshops of the Industrious Revolution in Northwestern Europe. Now we're going to see production happening in the cotton fields of the South and labor will be organized in new ways there compared to the way it was organized in the Caribbean and also in the textile factories of England first, but soon other countries, including the United States as well. The first slavery ends and the second slavery begins right at the birth of industrial capitalism. And that's very important because the second slavery, based on new territories, new supplies of enslaved labor, new, new ways of producing goods, is going to produce an ever-increasing stream of what will become the world's most widely traded commodity, cotton. And cotton is going to be absolutely essential for the transformations that are happening in the new factory sectors of industrializing Britain and the industrializing United States. This is going to be an absolutely important relationship for the development of capitalism. information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University.